Welcome to this episode of the Here and Now podcast. What a debacle. Here we are, living in the midst of an episode of Black Mirror, all the pages of a Stephen King novel, wondering just how bad things are going to get. The protagonist in this drama is COVID-19, a respiratory disease born of a particularly virulent strain of a coronavirus, a zoonotic virus allegedly transferred from bats to humans in a Wuhan wet market. Few novels begin with such a dramatic and sinister-sounding setting. Let's face it, this sucks, and it's going to suck for the foreseeable future. Every day brings new and more concerning news. Entire countries are in lockdown, millions of people are confined to their homes. Industry, commerce and economies have been brought to their knees. And it has all happened so fast. A few weeks ago, we looked on with detached concern as China struggled to contain the outbreak. But most of us paid it no heed. It was just another breaking story on the 24-hour news cycle in between the Australian bushfires and Trump's latest faux pas. And here we are today, March 21st, 2020, facing a crisis no one alive today has ever known. On a Facebook live stream recently, Chris Martin of Coldplay mentioned that he hasn't felt like this since 9-11. I think many of us who lived through that would feel the same. But this is different. As calamitous and tragic as the events of that day were, and as far-reaching were the consequences, somehow this is different. It affects us all far more directly. I've been saying to a few people recently that this situation has given us the smallest and briefest of insights into what it must have been like for our grandparents and great-grandparents as they faced World War. Can you imagine? Entire generations called up to fight where tens of millions would die, civilians and soldiers alike, in the most violent and brutal of circumstances. And yet these wars went on for years. With the benefit of hindsight, we see these moments in history as events with a beginning, a middle and an end. We know how it turned out, and we know that justice prevailed. But the people who lived and died in those times had no idea what would happen. That's why they fought so hard, because victory was not assured. And many times during both world wars, the pendulum swung the other way. The German army surged forward throughout the Great War, culminating in a last-ditch effort in 1918, only just thwarted by the Allied forces through the support of the Americans. In the early years of the Second World War, Hitler's war machine was unstoppable. The French had surrendered and the British were forced to evacuate Europe in a humbling defeat at Dunkirk. The concern, fear and uncertainty that surrounded those times must have been overwhelming for many. In those times, Stoicism truly got its name and the stiff upper lip of the British became a cliché. But in March 2020, as the threat of coronavirus looms large, we do not know where this is headed and how and when it will end. But it won't take six years and we won't be forced to drop a nuclear bomb to end it. So this really is just a taste of how bad things can really get. But we still don't know quite how the narrative will play out. The world has literally ground to a halt, and there is no immediate end in sight. So we must draw strength from the experiences of our forebears and their resilience, fortitude, and stoicism, as they battled through far worse than we will ever have to, and with far less, and with far more uncertainty. I wrote in a Facebook post a few days ago that I did not intend the Here and Now podcast to be topical. It is not a current events podcast where I give my opinion on world affairs. But in such unprecedented times as these, I am compelled. 
It is that elephant on the planet that must be addressed. And as someone with a deep interest in psychology and human behaviour, there are many themes that could be explored. Indeed, in the years to come, social scientists and psychologists will fill volumes with studies and analysis of this period in human history. One day, our children's children will tell their children what happened and why. But for us right now, living through this, we must be mindful of the fact that even though a relatively small number of people will be directly affected by the virus, whether they themselves get sick or someone they know does. Virtually all of us will feel its effects psychologically. We already are. You only have to turn to any news outlet or social media platform to see images of panic buying and mass hysteria. And memes. Oh, the memes. So far, we haven't lost our sense of humour, for the most part. Thank goodness. But we are afraid and anxious and uncertain. And when we revert to these base-level primal instincts and emotions, our behaviour becomes erratic, irrational and inexplicable. These feelings are driven by our limbic system. The limbic system consists of the hypothalamus, thalamus, amygdala and the hippocampus nestled deep within our brain. The limbic system is connected to sensory inputs and the autonomic nervous system and also contributes to memory formation. When our primal emotions are triggered, things like fear, our amygdala kicks into gear with a fight-or-flight response. And via the autonomic nervous system, processes are activated which increase our heart rate, our breathing, our eye dilation, sweat production and on and on. It's clear to see how fear, surprise, uncertainty and all of the other emotions we associate with stress have effects on us that are very difficult to control and that compromise our ability to be rational and make wise decisions. So who is anyone to judge the behaviour of others in times such as these? I asked my Facebook followers recently if any had openly expressed their disdain for hoarding behaviour and panic buying, but had themselves secretly stopped up on supplies. One friend of mine mentioned recently that he was discussing it with his wife, using the usual language, commenting about how crazy and absurd it is. But later on, he opened a cupboard, and he noticed it was stacked floor to ceiling with toilet rolls. It's very difficult not to be swept up by groupthink. If I stand on a street and stare at the sky, Soon someone else will stop and look up too, then another, and another. Before long, a crowd of people will be staring up into the sky with no idea why they are doing it. It just seemed like the thing to be doing, because everyone else was doing it. We can't all be staring at the sky for nothing, can we? But there is little to make like of at the moment. I personally have been very troubled, as what began as a virus affecting only China and some neighbouring Asian countries has quickly escalated in Europe and around the world. Our future suddenly seems uncertain. After decades of relative calm, we are faced with unprecedented widespread uncertainty and disruption, and we don't know what to do with ourselves. Gun sales in the US are surging to all-time highs. Store shelves have been stripped bare, and mass layoffs are imminent. There will be many victims of this pandemic who succumb to the psychological pressure of uncertainty and fear. But we are all anxious, so we could use a few reminders and a little bit of encouragement to help us stay on course through these turbulent times. If you need help, seek it out. It is there for you, whether a trusted friend or a family member, or a professional therapist or psychologist, even your GP. If you need help to work through these strange and overwhelming feelings, ask for it. Please, we do not need to lose more people through this time than the virus is already claiming. 
but it's easier said than done when the next chapter looks bleak. Here are a few tips to help you stay grounded. None of them will fix the problems, but just as our genetics can influence the weather through our perceptions, so too do our perceptions influence our experienced reality, how bad we think things really are. So number one, switch off. There's a lot of information flying at us from all sides. News outlets, social media, friends, colleagues, family members. Everyone's got an opinion. It's overwhelming and hard to know what to be worried about first. So I suggest just detach for a while. The course the virus runs won't change if you aren't glued to the TV or to Facebook. Take the usual precautions. Follow the advice of governments and scientists. But don't forget to switch off and just park this whole thing for a while. There's a lot we can't control. So don't even try. Just accept that this is happening. But look after your mental health as well as the physical. When life feels like it is getting out of control, then take control over some small parts of it. Set yourself a schedule, a routine, and plan it in detail, and then execute it. Make a list of things you need to get done that you've been putting off for a while. A list of chores and spring cleaning, things that you've had on the back burner. Make a timeline, block off slots of time to dedicate to each activity, and then when that time is up, set it aside and move on to the next thing. When we are focused on a schedule, we don't have time to get caught up on negative cycles of thinking, where we wallow and flounder. Organising real things is a great way to organise mental imaginary things. Structure in the outside world gives structure to the inner one, and that can be incredibly helpful at times when you are feeling overwhelmed and out of control. I'm trying to be optimistic here, but there is such a thing as being naive and ignorant and burying your head in the sand. Look, I don't know how bad this is going to get, but what I do know is it will pass. It always does. Like I said, times have been pretty grim in the past, but we humans got through it together. And when I've talked about making decisions, I said, nothing stays the same. Life carries us forward on a gentle current of time. So no matter how bad things are today, they can't help but be different and probably better tomorrow. Nothing is permanent. So sure, make plans for hard times, prepare yourself mentally and physically, do what you need to do, but don't become the homeless bloke standing on the street corner wearing a sandwich board that reads, the end is nigh, because it's not. If you're unfortunate enough to be stuck inside for two weeks, it's two weeks and you will make it. You might not be able to go to the gym at the moment or even go outside for a run, but you can still keep active inside. You don't need much space to do some stretches and calisthenics. You might have to give yourself a bit of a boot camp to make up for the lost time, but you can still break a sweat. Burpees, jumping jacks, sit-ups, push-ups, V-ups, crunches, lunges, squat jumps, yoga. Set yourself some mini challenges like 500 push-ups by the end of the isolation period and you have something to keep you focused and you'll be a better person at the end of it. I mean, in our busy lives, how often do we really have to just chill for two weeks and reflect? Meditate, listen to some podcasts and audiobooks, read some actual books, watch lectures on YouTube, start your own podcast. The time will fly by, and soon you'll be wishing you had a bit of that time out again. It's an unfortunate reality that we live in a world where economics drives, well, everything. After several years of boom times, airlines and other industries have reaped the rewards. Yet just a few weeks into a temporary hold on travel and commerce, the entire system is on the verge of collapse. A system like this must be inherently flawed if it cannot cope with even a transient event, but instead plunges into catastrophe, 
and into recession. But we still need to travel and to trade and do business and eat and buy things and celebrate. So once we hit the peak of the virus and things begin to get back under control, life will resume, albeit slowly, but it will resume. Just look at China. A few months ago, China was approaching Chinese New Year, the most important national holiday period in the country, like Christmas and New Year is for Western society. Chinese New Year sees a massive migration of people visiting family. And this year, the coronavirus was just beginning to take hold during this period. Yet at its peak in March, the virus had affected about 81,000 people in China. Despite Chinese New Year and a population of just under 1.4 billion predominantly living in urban areas, only about 60 out of every 1 million people caught it. Think about that. In equivalent terms, that would be like if New Zealand had a total of 287 cases, or if Italy had 3,628. And as of today, March 21st, Italy has over 47,000, or nearly 800 per million people. It's a rate more than 10 times higher than China. Now, we know China took drastic action to curb the outbreak. Some say draconian, and maybe they're right, at least about some of it. I think I saw a video of people welding the doors shut to a apartment building in Wuhan. But other countries are now starting to do the same things, perhaps not welding people inside, but enforcing uh, isolation and quarantine. It's not ideal. It's not ideal at all. But it does work. Until a vaccine comes along, lockdowns and social distancing are the most effective measures we have. And so, after just a couple of months of turmoil, China is starting to get back to business. Life is going on. They made it, or at least through the first wave. We might not like a lot of things about China. We might blame China for kicking this whole thing off, but give credit where credit is due. China has done what needed to be done, at great cost to its people and its healthcare professionals. And they're in the process of triumphing over this calamity. So like I was saying, we'll get through this because people are already getting through this. We might be fearful of the uncertainty, but it is not that uncertain. We're just on different timelines. We must also remember that some uncertainty doesn't mean everything is uncertain. We will go back to work and school eventually. We will be able to get things we love from the supermarket when we want them. And for the most part, life will resume as before. It's easy to be overwhelmed when things start getting difficult and to feel that everything is suddenly uncertain. But it's not really. It can help to make a list of things you know and things you don't know. Putting a name to things helps to break them down into manageable chunks and identify the scope of the issues you're dealing with. When isolated in this way, they begin to seem less out of control and uncertain. They're just things that we don't have an answer to right now, but the answers will come in time. And don't forget how closely our mental and physical health are linked. This relationship is called the psychosomatic. If you're a child of the 90s like me, that probably reminds you of the prodigy song Breathe. The more anxious we become, the more the stress begins to take over our body. It leads to poor sleep, poor diet and proneness to ill health. We have many aches and pains we didn't notice before, headaches, and we generally just feel poorly. Given the threat of the virus, we may even begin to wonder if we have it, and this can lead to more anxiety and a self-perpetuating cycle. So we have to break this cycle of negative thinking and worry. One way we can do that is by thinking of others. Turn your attention outward rather than inward. In a time of social distancing and possibly isolation, this sounds a bit ridiculous, but we have more conversations digitally than we do in person. So we can still reach out to others using this medium. It's not really that different from how we normally behave and interact. When you're thinking of others, you're not thinking about yourself. 
If you offer support, talk things through with others and share your fears, anxieties and also gratitude for what you do have and look forward to the day when this is passed and we can all get back to doing what we enjoy and with the convenience we normally take for granted, then you're beginning to lift yourself out of your own anxiety. How you do this is up to you. You might engage with close friends or start posting regularly on a social media account about how you feel and get others to share their own thoughts and feelings. Perhaps you'll video call or maybe you can meet in person in small numbers. At times like these, it is important to turn your attention outward and not dwell in that spiral of fear, worry and negativity. Many of us live in multicultural communities, so think of those in your community who may have friends and loved ones in countries which are currently far worse affected than yours. For many people, they are concerned for the welfare of their loved ones, but they can't travel to reach them because travel is restricted or there are just no flights. Think of these people, ask them how they are coping and how their family is back home. When all we have is each other, then we need to set aside our own fears and anxieties and reach out to those who need our support. At times like these, in addition to the support we give to others and that we draw from them in turn, one of the most important things we can do is to be mindful. Ironically, to get out of our own head, we have to get into it first. Being mindful is about paying attention to the present moment, anchoring your thoughts and conscious awareness to the things that are happening right here, right now. The Here and Now podcast is really a metaphor for mindfulness. You don't have to be sitting down or somewhere private to practice being mindful. It's just a state of mind that you can induce, more or less at will. When beginning a mindfulness meditation practice, it helps to be somewhere quiet when you can be still and comfortable, but you can still practice the techniques when out and about, when walking or waiting in line. There are plenty of guided mindfulness meditation apps out there, and a few of them I recommend are Calm, Headspace and Waking Up by Sam Harris, and there's links to these apps in the show notes. Mindfulness works by slowing things down and removing extraneous thoughts and feelings and activities from conscious awareness. It's difficult to do well, but the benefits of the practice are as powerful as reaching a destination with it. Mindfulness offers the realisation that our thoughts and our transient apparitions that appear and disappear in the space where consciousness exists. But more importantly, it teaches us that thoughts in and of themselves don't carry any weight. We can choose not to dwell on them. We can choose to let them go. I'm going to go through a very brief guided meditation now, just to give you an example. I highly recommend you seek out one of the apps which can do a far better job of it than I'm about to. If you're out and about and you don't want to bother with the meditation right now, then go ahead and skip to the next chapter. But if you want to have a go, then find a comfortable position, preferably sitting on a cushion or a chair and not lying down, as the idea is to be relaxed, but not so relaxed that you fall asleep. So I'll give you a moment and then we'll begin. Once you're sitting comfortably, close your eyes and begin to quiet your mind. You can do this by first acknowledging the things that are going on within it, systematically. Let's start with the external world. What can you hear? Birds singing? The distant banging of a hammer? Cars or a bus perhaps? Maybe the hum of a fan or refrigerator? Or the sound of the wind rustling and leaves nearby? Pay attention to every sound you hear. Listen to the details, the things we normally tune out as white noise.
Now turn your attention inward to how you feel. Adjust your body position if you need to. This isn't about being perfectly still, although when you're able to tune out, you'll kind of do that anyway. But for now, give yourself a mental once-over. What nagging aches and pains or itches do you feel? Start at your toes and work your way up your body, taking note of each limb in turn, concentrating on the sensations as you go. Feel the weight on your legs and buttocks, and the temperature of the air on your skin. Feel the stiffness in your neck. One by one, consider each section of your body, and then move on. Eventually, you will reach your head. Feel the tightness of your jaw and concentrate on relaxing all of those small muscles. Now soften your eyes, your forehead and your cheeks. Keep a straight back, but relax your neck and settle into a natural but comfortable position. Now turn to your breath. This is where the meditation really begins. Simply breathe in as far as you can. It doesn't have to be dramatic, but just slowly and consistently breathe all the way in through your nose. Pause a moment when your lungs are full, and then exhale slowly and smoothly all the way out through your mouth or nose, it doesn't matter which. Feel the air rushing past your lips or nostrils. Don't force it, just breathe steadily out. Pause again. Now breathe in all the way, deeply, and pause. Then breathe out as before. Try to keep your breaths in and out about the same length. We don't want short, sharp in-breaths and long, slow out-breaths. We want even, deep breaths. Concentrate on each breath. In. Pause. Out. Pause. In. Pause. Out. Pause. Soon, your mind will begin to wander. A random thought will appear from nowhere and you will forget about your breathing. But that's okay. It's expected. Don't judge the thought or yourself for becoming distracted. Simply acknowledge the thought, let it go, and return to focusing on your breath. Keep this up for as long as you like. It is helpful to set a timer, and in these early stages, it is very helpful to follow a guided meditation, which follows something similar to what I've talked you through here, but in a much more professional way. You can pause me and carry on breathing and meditating for a while. And when you're ready, I'll finish the podcast. There is nothing mystical or spiritual about mindfulness meditation. It's simply focusing on the present moment and anchoring your attention to the breath and returning to it as often as needed as you become distracted by your thoughts. It can help to listen to the sounds around you and pay attention to the details of how you're feeling. Let those things appear in consciousness. Don't force anything. Just let them be, always returning to the breath. 
You can pause me and continue with your meditation for a while. And when you're ready, press play and I'll finish off the podcast. There is nothing mystical or spiritual about mindfulness meditation. It is simply focusing on the present moment and anchoring your attention to the breath and returning to it as often as needed as you become distracted by your thoughts. It can be helpful to listen to the sounds around you and pay attention to the details of how you are feeling. Let those things appear in consciousness. Don't force anything. Just let them be, always returning to the breath. So at times like these, we're going to see the best and the worst of humanity. How you act is a choice. When we look back on these times and remember our fears and worries and how we triumphed over them together, you will also remember how you behaved. Did you put yourself before others or did you support them? Did you act responsibly and thoughtfully or did you not take the feelings of others seriously? Soon, we will face a new reality as it will take a long time for economies to return to where they were and we have a lot of suffering to endure long after the threat of the virus has passed. So we need to start thinking about each other now. When the threat of job losses becomes reality, we will be faced with a new epidemic of depression, stress and anxiety. We need to be on the lookout for those signs that the people we know and care about aren't coping and we need to offer our support. Our lives have become inconvenient and uncertain, but they will return to normal for most of us soon enough, but not for all of us. So how do you want to look back? With shame and regret or with pride that you played your part? We'll get through this together, but we need to help each other through. And if you need help, please ask for it. If you need help, please ask for it. We'll get through this together. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Here and Now podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the Here and Now podcast or Twitter at Here Now podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with all of our latest episodes and be sure to give us a rating at the Apple Podcasts app. You can reach out to me via the pages or at the email, email theherenow at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.